Hi everybody and welcome back to Nobody Knows. This is the second episode where I've also filmed it on video, although I'm not too happy with the way I've set it up. I got one camera here and one camera here and I would rather just have them together so I only have to look in one spot. But it's a work in progress. At least we got video going. Very exciting. So if you prefer to watch podcasts, head over to YouTube because now I'm there as well. Channel name is at nobody knows podcast. There is no underscore in this one. I had to snatch that up while it was still available. And I, it was so funny because I read that YouTube is the top performing podcast platform, which is actually a really big shocker to me because I used to love watching YouTube tutorials, you know, like makeup gurus back in 2010, like the early ish 2000s and like it was all the rage to watch makeup tutorials vlogs it was just youtube was the platform i kind of forgot that youtube even existed and also let alone having a podcast that you would watch it i just always figured podcasts were like audio only but that's not the case anymore I listen to 80% of my podcasts and then the remaining 20 I will watch on YouTube or on Spotify because sometimes Spotify has the video option. But with this knowledge, you know, I want to be present. I want to continue to grow. Nobody knows and I want it to gain momentum. And I think the only way I'm going to do that is if I expand into the popular platforms. So to YouTube we go. I hope you all had a wonderful Valentine's Day, love day, self-love day, Galentine's Day, whatever you call it. This was Brendan's and my second Valentine's Day together. However, the last year was our, we weren't really official, so this was technically our first official year as a couple. And last year we actually spent it over FaceTime, so we didn't even spend it in person, but we made carbonara and i think we had both ordered each other some type of uber eats like dessert or candy and then we also watched love is blind i don't know what season because also i have no idea what season we're on now there's like another season coming out in march that i just saw so i'm all for the crappy tv but we watched love is blind so then this year we essentially did the exact same thing but we did it together so we made the same carbonara recipe and then there were episodes of love after the altar or still love is blind episodes so we watched those it was super fun kind of nostalgic We're starting to do our own traditions and that's really exciting and in last episode i chatted with brendan and discussed my experience you know being in a committed relationship because this is like my first serious relationship probably since high school and if you haven't listened to that episode i highly recommend going and listening to that in the usual spots and we talked about, you know, how we met and what it's like to do long distance and like so much more. So if you're interested in that, highly suggest going and listening to that. But for this episode, and because we're still in the month of love, I say that with quotation marks, still in the month of February, I wanted to chat with the gals and um, talk about all the things that I have learned in love. Because like I said, this is my first serious relationship, so I've had a lot of experience navigating the trials and tribulations of dating and like trying to find your partner and actually wanting to fall in love, not just like swiping on the apps for funsies. <laughs> so there are a whole lot of things that I have learned, but I'm going to share. I think it's the top four that I've written down for us today. And 
I definitely think that you learn when you fail and I have failed a lot at love and relationships and so it's been one hell of a ride. This tea is still too hot to drink but I'm like really thirsty. Mm, it's not bad. Like a little ASMR moment in here. Okay, the first thing that I have learned in love is trusting your gut and knowing that your gut is never wrong. And I think I talked about this in episode six that's titled, I'm not alone, I'm on my own because it talks about similar themes. It talks about like being single and taking your time in love and not really rushing just to, to be with someone. It's more so honoring the time that you have alone. And I want to say that your gut instinct is never wrong. And I don't think we give ourselves enough credit that we as human beings are actually incredibly intuitive. I just think we have difficulty tuning into that gut feeling. In addition, actually wanting to listen or pay attention to it because let's be honest the times like our gut is telling us something are the times that we most definitely don't want to listen to our gut and like pay attention i actually did some further research and harvard business review said studies show that pairing gut feelings with analytical thinking helps you make better faster and more accurate decisions and gives you more confidence in your choices than relying on intellect alone and this is especially true when you're overthinking or when there is no single clear-cut option like aka love i'm probably gonna get a little naturopathy on you but also side note if you've never been to naturopath like a naturopath you need to go because it's incredible what you learn about your body and there are so many I don't want to say quick fixes, but some are pretty quick and some are like, wow, this is all I had to do to like fi fix this ailment or fix this with my body versus medication or things that are actually really harmful to your body. Yeah. Go if you can. If you have benefits, it's a little bit more expensive. If you have the privilege and are able to afford a naturopath, highly suggest checking one out back to the natural more side of things there's a deep neurological basis for intuition or like a gut feeling and that's because scientists call the stomach like a, literally a second brain there's a vast neural network of like over a hundred million neurons that are lining the entire digestive tract and just for context that is more neurons than that are found in a spinal cord so this obviously alludes to that the gut is an incredible at processing things and understanding things so when you approach a decision intuitively your brain works like in tandem with your gut to quickly assess all of your memories past learnings personal needs and preferences and then makes the wisest decision given the context this all pretty much says that your intuition is a form of emotional and experiential data that we definitely need to value and should not be overlooking so then you're probably going to wonder like how do you differentiate your gut from other bodily feelings and Harvard Business Review also did a deep dive into this as well. So like let's go through what they suggested because I also struggle with this. I, I think I'm getting better at it now and definitely reading this whole article I was like oh my gosh that's so right that's exactly how I felt when I had this quote-unquote gut feeling and I either followed it or didn't follow it so the first one is notice when it's your gut talking versus other human emotions and bodily feelings so how do we do that okay fear is typically accompanied by sensations running throughout your body such as constrictions and agitations so you may feel tense panicky or desperate and i definitely talked about this in a tiktok recently where i 
I'm always prepared for my meetings, but I still get anxiety. And it's like kind of cold sweats, jitters. I can't sit still. It's difficult to breathe. That is a feeling of fear because I am, for whatever reason, scared of what's going to happen in the meeting. Even though I'm prepared, it's just the fear of the unknown. So that feeling is fear. Fear can be dominated by self-critical thoughts that urge you to hide, conform, or compromise yourself. So going back to my meeting example, I am very hard on myself, so I always think that the worst is going to happen when in reality, my meetings always go great. Your intuition, on the other hand, has like a pulling energy as your choice is moving towards your best interest. And even if that means pursuing a risk or moving more slowly than others, this is usually accompanied by feelings of excitement, anticipation, or ease and contentment. And physically, gut feelings tend to cause your body to relax. And with intuition, your inner voice is more grounded and wise like a good mentor. So to tune in to your gut, start out by like picking out an outfit that you really like without weighing all the different options. You know, raise your hand and speak up in a meeting without censoring yourself, taking quick decisions and making small actions. There's smaller consequences of that and it gets you comfortable by using your intuition like on the fly. And by starting off small, you're mitigating feelings of being overwhelmed and you can gradually step your way up to larger, more high pressure, high stake decisions with greater trust in yourself. And they went on further to say this approach is effective because it builds your distress tolerance and your ability to emotionally regulate in the face of discomfort. And then finally, they said, you know, fall back on your values. Your core values represent what's most important to you. So examples like this would include freedom, diversity, stability, family, or calmness. So let's say you're feeling agitated after a long day at work when nothing went your way. Your core values can help you pinpoint the source of your frustration and understand it more clearly. So this is a really good example if you're a more logical thinker, but are really wanting to tune in to your gut or your intuition, using your core values can sort of bring you back home and pinpoint like what's going on and sort of lead you in the right direction. Moving in to the second thing I have learned in love, butterflies are a red flag. Now this one's going to be a hot take. You may or may not agree with me, but all I ask is that you listen and then you can decide if you agree or disagree with me. Also, what the heck is going on with my voice? One second, please. So I think I heard this thought process, this idea from Halsey like years ago in an interview, but it has stuck with me to today and I think it still rings true. Butterflies are your nervous system's way of warning you and signaling alarm bells that something is just like not right. And I want to stress that this doesn't apply if you're just meeting someone for the first time because that's normal nervousness. It's like the fear of the unknown. But once you've met this person, you've become more familiar with each other. You know, you've gotten to know each other on a deeper level. If you're still getting butterflies, that to me is an incredibly large red flag. I think it ties in to your gut and your intuition because you get your your butterflies like right in your tummy, right? It's just your body's way of saying, you know, something's not right. Something's not going good. (laughs) 
because as you progress in your relationship, you should start to feel more comfortable and at ease with this person. And this took me a really long time to realize, but love should not be hard. And it doesn't have to be difficult or rocky or hot and cold like it is in the movies to be profound. Yes, of course, relationships take work, extreme factors, life gets in the way, making things challenging for you and your partner. But loving another person is the most simplest of emotions and feelings. It's really childlike if you break it down. And loving someone and having a romantic partner, that person should start to feel like you're home. They should bring you comfort. They should make you feel safe. I want to give an example of this so I am not misunderstood. If I compare how I feel with Brendan to the past three guys that I've dated longer than a month, all of the past guys I experienced this butterfly-like symptom with. Whereas with Brendan, after our second date, honestly, I was at complete ease with him. For one, I felt comfortable setting boundaries as I knew that he was going to respect them. And two, I was able to share intimate parts of myself that I had not shared with anyone else previously. And also the feelings I had with Brendan, I never once had that like little tingling feeling in my stomach, just like on edge a little bit of apprehension. I never once felt that with him. And so then if you're sitting here and saying, you know, I get butterflies every time I see my partner or every time my partner walks in the room, that's not what I'm talking about. I'd say calling this feeling butterflies is a bit inaccurate, a little bit misleading because everyone associates butterflies with like this positive feeling. But I do want to clarify that like when you see your partner and you light up, that's more excitement. That's not anxiousness, that's not anxiety, that's not apprehension. The butterflies I'm talking about is anxiety, uncertainty, suspense, restlessness, literally the little voice in the back of your head that is yelling at you saying something's not right. And some of the past guys I dated for over five months and I still felt that pang of uncertainty like literally day over day or any time we would be together. I would have my guard up and I would put on this front, like I would tiptoe around and sort of overthink on what I'd say, how I dress, how I acted. I was just completely not my authentic self around them. And in hindsight, I mean, I would say that's for good reason because all of those relationships ended terribly. So I really wish I had paid attention to my intuition and that butterfly feeling I kept getting. Number three of what I have learned in love is that people can only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves. And I don't really think I need to elaborate on this one because it's pretty self-explanatory, but I also have like five paragraphs written down because I feel so passionately about this thought. And I think this one might be the hardest lesson that I've had to learn. And this one cuts deep because in my opinion, it's probably one of the most depressing things to realize when it comes to love. Luckily, I had my therapist to learn this with and thank God for that because it was so painful and it took me a really long time to process this. If you're learning this after a breakup, you're one, mourning the relationship, that's just an obvious. Two, you're probably most definitely mourning the potential of the relationship. And three, you are probably mourning for your partner who literally has such wasted potential. And I don't say this in a sarcastic or catty or mean way. I literally mean it because it's, it is a shame that 
the partner, the person that you thought you were developing a relationship with could not get to where the relationship needed to go. And this one also hurts because it's not like the other person's cheated on you. It's not like they've deliberately hurt you in a malicious way. It's that they themselves have not done what it takes internally so that you two can continue to grow together. And I pulled further understanding into this thought from an online quote and it said, we often feel when people don't trust us in a loving way that is because there's something wrong with us. And we don't realize that their reaction comes from their own experiences and often mirrors how they feel about themselves and their world and that these insecurities they are carrying deep down inside arose from other interactions with people. So how sad is that? That like when your partner or past partners have lashed out or acted in a specific way, again, it has nothing really to do with you. It's more so how they were treated and how they've experienced other situations previously. And furthermore, I think we often only see the surface and we feel judgmental when they're lashing out at us or they're acting in a certain way and we forget to see like the deeper picture and see into their pain and often what that person has gone through. And I know you're probably yelling at me and being like, don't fall in love with potential, but am I really wrong in saying that we live in a dating obsessed and furthermore a monogamous obsessed world. It's so easy to get like wrapped up in like, okay, what are the next steps of our progression in this relationship? When are we going to be exclusive? When are you going to meet my family? When are we going to move in? It's just sort of human nature to think of what lies ahead. The fourth and final thing or lesson I have learned in love is understanding how you heal best and fiercely advocate for it. Because I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer, but most of the relationships you have in life are going to fail and they're not going to work out in our favor. (laughs) So you're going to need to know how to best take care of yourself when you've either one, broken up with someone or two, been broken up with. First one I would say is setting the boundary and following through. So if you're going to, you know, take a week before responding to any messages or you're not going to respond to any messages or you're going to communicate through a mediator, whatever that boundary is, stick to it and oh my God, follow through on it. Follow through like it is like your religion, like you're obsessed with it, like it is your freaking air. Second, sort of ties into setting a boundary, but I say cut off all communication. Cutting off all communication, while it's painful in the moment, it is probably the best way to get over someone because, I mean, it's sad to say, but it's almost like they've died. Like, they just don't exist anymore, and it doesn't give you the temptation to, you know, creep them on social media or, God forbid, reach out to them on a drunken night because I've definitely done that before, and it's like the worst feeling in the morning. It's just not great. It's also not a great look. Just cut it off. <laughs> the third one is spending time alone. And I don't mean you have to go crawl into a hole and like literally not see anyone for the rest of time, but I think spending some time familiarizing yourself with being on your own again is a really good thing. And while difficult to do in the first month I would say because you're probably used to spending most of your time with this person it's gonna pay off in the future and in the long run and I also say you like I said you don't have to spend 
all of your waking moments alone reaching out to other people like a close circle that you have like my family and furthermore my friends really got me through some difficult breakups and also animals like playing with my dog playing with my cats or just snuggling and even like a stuffed animal I am such a strong advocate for having your childhood stuffed animal still just like squeezing it and just crying Sometimes that like does the trick, but finding those outlets and those people, your network that help you process. The next one is taking a break from dating. There are a lot of people that will just hop right back out there and go on all of these different dates. And that's just not me. I No judgment to whoever else, like everyone processes things in their own way. For me, I have to take a break from dating. I can't even think about another person for at least a few months depending on how long the relationship was but I think by taking this time to just focus on yourself spend time with your family spend time alone you're really processing the relationship you're honoring it you're honoring the time that you put into it what the other person put into it you're like actually letting it go you're actually grieving whereas I think if you hop into dating again really fast it's just a band-aid and all of that trauma that pain that keeps adding up from each relationship that you you go over that's gonna have to come out at some point and I would rather do it in small doses small amounts versus just have one big breakdown because that will take a longer time to recover from the next one is accepting that it's over And that's really freaking depressing, but it's probably the best thing you can do and not thinking about they're coming back because 100% they always come back, but you're not going to want them when they come back because it's like gross. It's like, first off, you left me or I left you and there was a reason for the split. Majority of the time, it is not the best reason to get back together. It's more so like either person is bored. But if you work to understanding and accepting that that relationship is over, the easier it's going to be to continue to progress through your healing journey. The last one is doing your inner work and focusing on other passions that are not related to love or relationships. And I think this will get you back into just sort of the normal day-to-day things of your life when you're on your own. And I think that there's something really nice to be said about not focusing on love all the time. Like, just take a break. It's going to be fine. Like, love will still be there when you want it again and when you're in a better mindset for it. So I want to know what you've learned in love. And if you want to share with that with me on socials at Nobody Knows Podcast, followed by an underscore, that would be great. And if you've been loving this podcast and are feeling up to it, I would also be very thankful if you shared this with your pals or even gave a five-star review. And I am so excited for our next episode because it's going to feature Amanda of at Amanda Finding Balance and she's on TikTok and she has grown her community to over 50,000 followers as she's documenting her journey of changing her life one day at a time and recovering from binge eating and working through her eating habits. So I think you're really going to enjoy that episode. Until next time, friends. Bye.